0: So, yeah, you know, in a random tidbit, tomorrow Marriott's uh, increased changes in categories go into play. And I'm sitting here wondering, does it really make sense for the W and Gian to move from Category 4 to Category 5 right now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Welcome to episode 282 of Dot Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by the regular crew, the Motley crew, from what I hear of last week's show. Uh, I'm here to babysit, so how are you doing? It is, it
2: is entirely possible that we need adult supervision. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 well, it's good that. You're qualified to provide that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were, were you guys at home this week?
0: Indeed. Uh, yeah.
1: It's good. Nice little break.
0: Yeah, and it's warm. It's like spring weather, though I know we're not in spring yet. Yeah. Can't complain. How many feet of snow do you have up there?
1: Uh, It's raining tonight, and then it's supposed to snow tomorrow. Because Montreal. (laughs) Uh, Seth, are you going to Hamburg for Aircraft Interiors Expo? I have tickets booked. I have a room booked. I even bought
2: a ticket home. Uh, Although, I I have a one-way to get there, the back half of a Europe-originating ticket from January. Yeah, and so was deciding if I was going to keep nesting tickets in Europe or just do a one way home, and ended up choosing to do a one way home for a couple of reasons. But most recent, but only booked it today, which is what's this Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. Um, and actually booked it last night because I was one of the, I booked an award and was like I really should finally get around to doing it, and I booked an award for additional flexibility. I wanted yeah. to, you know, canceling an award ticket for me right now on United is seventy five dollars, and canceling a real ticket is Fair is infinite dollars, so uh, that given my uncertainty about whether the event is actually going to happen, I figured that was a smart move. And then the then United came out with its new policy allowing for free changes for tickets booked this month, and I canceled within the 24 hours and rebooked again. So now I've got an even better change fee situation. Although, if I want to fully refund uh, and they haven't canceled the flights yet, I have to pay the fee, but still. <laughs> Oh, they they introduced a looser rule? United on Tuesday introduced a rule basically allowing for free one free change, I think, is what they came up with, if um, for tickets issued between now and the end of the month. Oh, but what about tickets issued before? No. None of the airlines that have announced – Tickets
0: uh, issued or for travel?
2: T- all of the rules have been new change fees uh, – excuse me, new tickets only waiver of change fees with uh, – some interesting caveats JetBlue has been waiver of change and cancel fees. American has done waiver of change fees, but only fourteen days only in advance of fourteen days of travel so you can book now you know travel within whenever but if you're within fourteen days of departure, you no longer get the free the free change fee uh Deltas is i think free change but only for international slash Puerto Rico and Virgin islands. They're all just a little different, and it's all super weird. A lot for JetBlue.
1: Is there a reason that the policies you think haven't – the airlines haven't aligned on, on policies? Um,
2: because they're trying to avoid Department of Justice scrutiny on collusion?
1: But, I mean, is it really – That sounds as
2: stupid as I s- saying it is, is what I thought it sounded like.
1: But, I mean, do, like, is it really collusion if they're just saying, hey, we're trying to make it as easy for passengers to change their tickets? Uh you know, in light of the situation, the worldwide situation right now.
2: I don't know. I, I could certainly argue that. I mean, they, I, my big argument would be none of the, none of this is about making it easy for passengers so much as trying to convince more passengers to keep booking in hopes that they will eventually travel. Mm. Right. So yes, it, on the press releases, it sounds super great for airlines, but are shooting for passengers. But remember that this is always just for the, for the airlines. Um, yeah. Getting past that. You know, there's different takes on, you know, sort of what will actually drive the bookings, what will make people um, commit and what it takes to sort of try to make it sound like things are going to be more flexible. And I feel like each of the airlines has something different that they are working with there.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just I was just wondering because I just, you know, people are wondering what they should do. Uh, Should they book travel? Should they not book travel? Um, And some of these policies you know, so like Alaska's only goes till mid-March. So anything past that, it, the policy doesn't apply. Yeah. I
2: mean, they're all super different.
1: Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, anything else on coronavirus? I know that we've kind of yeah. talked it to death in the last few shows, but it seems like, you know, the United States has a few more cases than uh, we talked last. And we yeah.
2: held, held a press conference tonight uh, from the coronavirus task force that did not allow
1: audio or video recording. So what? how did they have a press... Con- Is it just written? Yeah. <laughs> and, and still photos. The next thing you're going to tell me that it's like, uh, oh, they weren't allowed to write anything. It was all done in Morse code.
2: <laughs> we did actually have a press thing in Hamburg several years ago where we tried to write things down and they said no. Or we tried to take pictures and they said no. And then we tried to like record the audio and they said no. And then they got mad at us for taking notes as they said things. But that was a whole different... Uh,
1: disaster. You're over there, like, tapping on your jeans for a guy in another room to see. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me,
2: just let me put on my new nice glasses from Google. Um, I'll be right <laughs> with you. Anyway, yeah. now, the Corona stuff is uh, getting worse globally, I'll argue. American cut Seoul this week, Delta. I can't remember if they'd cut it by the time we recorded last week. Trimming flights more than outright cutting, although they think they cut Minneapolis outright for a few months. The What's really interesting to me is the international stuff is being cut uh for six to eight weeks at a time generally on the long haul stuff not a couple days or a couple weeks at a time where some of the short haul stuff like the europeans in india uh or india excuse me the europeans to italy and northern italy are cutting a week or two at a time and i think faz made the joke last episode they're extending the cuts a month at a time every week uh <laughs> it seems to be happening more on the long haul stuff than the short haul
1: yeah i mean i saw you know united cut la narita but they're leaving the haneda haneda flights
2: yeah which I, 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 it's like okay, well they're both
1: Tokyo. Uh,
2: <laughs> you know, one is designed for connections onward into China and other parts of Asia, and one is designed for people just going to Tokyo. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: true. So, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting situation. Uh, we have probably less clarity than we did before. I will say there was a airlines for Europe A for E, which is sort of like airlines for America. It's the industry trade group, but it's the European version. Yeah, uh, held a summit today. And it was, you know, whatever, a bunch of people on stage talking about different things. So a nice, nice conference, actually. Uh, I know the guy, Max, who was emceeing and chairing it. Uh, it actually looked pretty well done for the couple hours that I watched on a live stream. One of the really interesting things I saw or heard, though, was the discussion about the coronavirus and how the airlines are responding differently this time than to other similar problems in the past you know, whether it was nine eleven or SARS or two thousand eight financial collapse, and you know, pick one. And in all of those cases, the airlines typically move to immediately slash prices and drive up loads. And this time around, the general consensus is they're not doing that. Um, hmm. I know we have seen some sale fares, um certainly some mistakes also, but some like I think Delta X Europe has slashed a bunch of prices and it isn't cutting quite as much as maybe they could, but it's unclear just how much is worth cutting overall on the sort of more broad route networks. And right now, it seems, especially in the short haul, you know, Michael O'Leary, who's not one to take such things lightly, comment was something to the effect of, we're going to take it on the chin in the short term, but not going to fly the planes empty. And we're not gonna just throw one year of fares out there, we're gonna wait and then try to pick it back up later. And I think part of that is not trying to sell too many cheap tickets now that screw them two months from now. Mm. Right? Like, they could fill a plane this month or this week, but uh, not trying to fill – not trying to discount fares further out in hopes that things recover more quickly, I guess.
0: Yeah. But doesn't so, O'Leary doesn't normally sell, sell $1 fares anyways? Well, you know, that's a whole different problem.
1: <laughs> um, what is this – I mean, with with U.S. carriers, we have seen kind of you know the cutting of the long-haul stuff. But there hasn't been, from what I've seen, domestic cutbacks really yet. Um, are we – Going to see that you think, or is this is it too early to call? And then a follow up question for that is: Is the indicators for this like how bad, how far do they lag? Right? How do we look at data from the airlines? Like when will we see results of financially how this is having an impact?
0: I think you'll start seeing it shortly, simply because a number of companies this week announced that they're uh, eliminating unnecessary travel. But I mean, like like United's delayed their earnings call, right? Because of this, uh, uh, analyst day. Analyst
1: Day, sorry, yeah. That's happened. Uh, but it's, I mean, they've delayed it, so it's like, well, we don't know the full depth of the impact on the industry yet because people aren't giving numbers out. Oh, yeah,
0: and they I won't. Remember, spring break's a week away. Yeah. Right, that's gonna, I was talking to one of my friends and his daughter was talking about going. was supposed to go away for spring break and now they're saying it might get canceled. Yeah, yeah. Were they going to Singapore or Milan? Uh, neither, they were going domestically somewhere. I think to
2: Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I'm mostly teasing, but. Um, you know, it's, i'm torn on this i've had a few people ask me like are you still traveling this and that i theoretically could go to a conference next week but hadn't really planned in dc and i hadn't really planned to so i don't think i'm gonna um and then there's hamburg and right those are the couple things i have lined up right now and should i go should i not go are they essential travel or not you know full certainly debatable i'm not gonna save anybody's life by being there so um or kill anybody by not being there so essential is pretty relative but if you want to talk about ways to help stop the spread of something, fewer people moving between cities will do that, right? It's, there is no doubt that limiting the extra travel will help slow the spread. Now, yeah. does that make it a good idea for everybody to stop traveling? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, if someone asked me, you know, they're going on their honeymoon, they're supposed to go on their honeymoon next week to Germany, Austria and France, should they still go? probably right i mean yeah. if, if, if things are going to be open that was my biggest concern is like you're going to get there and nothing's still happening right if, if the louvre is closed and you plan to go see that if you know whatever you're doing in germany was closed all of those things yep i mean they, they can't close the hills outside salzburg i guess so you can go sing the sound of music but yep. Yep. Um, but they could close the uh beer hall what was it called Augustiner?
1: Augustiner.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. so right it, it's there's a lot of uh decisions to be made that i sort of understand from both sides um I, but also, like, there's still a ton of uncertainty in the U.S., especially because right now the answer is no one has it, but we
1: aren't testing anybody, so we don't know who has it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think, like, we know we're, we're not, my travel's not, you know, non-essential travel is canceled. It's just for stuff to Asia and other places. Um, so, I, like, for me, I have to travel. My flight this week from Portland to Chicago was packed, like, completely full. Yeah, um, which is surprising to me. Other people are like saying, "Well, look at all these flights that are empty." I'm like, "Man, eh, I think it's just luck of the draw. Like, some flights are going to be full, some flights are going to be empty. People aren't going to give up their holidays. And if Montreal was any like the Montreal customs was any indicator, there's tons of people traveling because it was a nightmare. <laughs> so, and it's their spring break here. So I think like, which is hilarious, cause freezing out. Um, I, I just think people are still traveling. I, I don't know that people are going to take it completely seriously until. Uh, it impacts someone near them or in their area. Yeah. Apropos
2: of spring break, do you guys have? Do they have one spring break or two? I think they may have two here. I say New England slash the Northeast often has two. There's a February break and then an Easter break. So yeah, I think and I think that's or maybe why. Uh,
1: so I don't know. I just I just wonder about it with what people are doing and if it's the smartest thing. And I can do my most of my job remote if I needed to. Was it really smart for me to be traveling? I don't know. Um, Heathrow, the third runway. The, the rumored third runway that has been rumored for many years and uh, doesn't look like it's going to take off any type soon. Dead. <laughs> Again. What's, the, what's the story?
2: Uh, the courts have ruled in favor of a climate change case, basically saying that the planning for the third runway did not take into account the increased emissions and other challenges. So uh, yeah, they've, they've knocked it out uh, and, My understanding is that Boris Johnson doesn't want it. So the government is not going to try to pursue it going further, going forward, at least in the near term.
1: Wow. Really? It's my understanding. So we can just expect, I mean, is there any chance that uh, England, uh, the UK builds another airport in London anytime soon? Like a whole new airport somewhere 60 miles away? out in the middle of
0: nowhere. Wasn't that Boris's original plan to build a major airport in the water somewhere else east of London? Oh, God. In the, in the it, estuary, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> in the water. <laughs> oh, God. That won't cost any. That'll, that'll, that'll be cheap.
2: They can call their friends at Haneda or... Um, Kansai. Kansai, yeah. There's been a few of those. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, too bad. And, and
2: it's not like putting it in the water is not going to have an environmental or noise impact. That's no, the no. Like, I think the, the whole reason for that is like it's in the middle of nowhere and no one lives nearby. But like... Okay, but people do live nearby, and you're gonna screw up water anyway.
1: Yeah, like somewhere on Skip the Thames. Yeah, is that, is that the thought? Yeah, there's people there, like all along it, all the way out to the, the, the English
0: Channel. <laughs> uh, well, they'll go out to the English Channel, build it there, move the windmills to where Heathrow is now, and swap.
1: Oh, that well, seems fair. There's no winds. There's no winds, and you know, as long as you as long as you build the runways in the right direction, they're all good.
0: You guys see that the round
2: runway story? Uh, Made a re made a re came back on bank like mashable or something stupid like that. Oh, please tell us about you've heard it, you know this. Someone's proposing around round runways so they take up less space, and the airline the planes can sort of like go in circles until they get up enough speed and then take off. It's an absolutely mor- like moronic, stupid, never going to work idea, but it gets <laughs> some traffic every now and then. So like, why is this happening? They, the answer is always for the clicks, but um. <laughs> Yes, Boris Johnson wants to put a did in two thousand eight revive the idea of the Thames Estuary Airport in the Shivering Sands area northeast of Whitstable.
1: I gotta look at this I gotta look at this it's, location.
2: Yeah, it's in uh I'm reading a Wikipedia store article, so um not very useful. The yeah, it's way out like past Southend, basically.
1: <laughs> oh um, yeah, that's that's great.
2: Yeah, like way the hell out off the coast. Yeah, a, as far as a, you're right, Option number five is right in the middle of those windmills. <laughs>
0: boss <laughs> is like i was just joking <laughs> seriously does it bother you that you actually know the, the uh, geography there so mal well? well, i know
2: maybe
1: <laughs> he's, he's secret he's secretly a londoner
2: i am it's not mm-hmm. that secret he goes like six times seven times a year At least. maybe more i, say, and I reads, meet him i meet him there twice a year i feel like
1: and i don't and go he, very often and he reads monocle so i mean he's clearly a londoner there you go. <laughs> I'm just giving uh, you crap pause. Oh, yeah. no, I don't care. Yeah. Um, what else we got? So United has lost the uh, U.S. Olympic team sponsorship to Delta. Yeah. Um, is it because they've changed their colors? Too, too much blue. Too, too much blue. Not enough red, white, no, and yeah. blue.
0: <laughs> United never had red. I, I know. United yeah. had a first right of refusal. They just didn't. I guess Delta must have given them a better option. United refused to match it. Yeah. It's a money game. Yeah.
1: What what do you think is the incentive for United not to match it? Like, what? Why? It, it, do they think they just didn't get enough return? Maybe that their marketing team said, eh, "We're not seeing enough."
0: I, how much money do you think you're making off the Olympics
2: as a sponsor? It was a hundreds of millions of dollars, contract if I remember correctly. Like, it's a, it's this is not a couple of, you know, a couple of bucks to name like a stadium in a small town. This is huge amounts of money.
1: I'm pretty sure it was 400 million for Delta.
0: Well, but so here's the thing, right? One of the, one of the things is that there's a lot of logistics into moving the team and their equipment. United's been yeah. doing it for a very long time. The question is, can Delta actually do it? Because it's it's an entire sub team within the company that manages all of that.
2: Yeah, yeah they've got a couple of years to get that together, and Delta has been running sports charters. Um, it's, sports charters.
0: It's, it's very different.
2: Well, yes and no, right? It, you there is still the absolute sort of, le- there's a level of service bit and then there's the unique scheduling bit. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that it's that much different.
1: And, and I think I think Delta's um, sports stuff has been fairly well managed by them. I, I think yeah. most, most teams are happy with Delta and the, you know, service they provide. Um, I haven't read many complaints. So. But, those,
0: but those are generally easy, right? You're going from point A to point B with the entire team and all their equipment.
1: True. But I mean, moving Olympians across the ocean, I, I feel like isn't that much different.
0: No, but they're coming from different spots. The timing is different for each one based on their sports. Yeah. Right. There's a lot more v- variables in it and it's not as many people. So you're not chartering planes for them, right? That's the luxury of the sports charters. They're all charter planes. In this case, these guys are just going on regular commercial flights.
1: As long so, as you're on yes a, no. not... sitting on-
2: I mean, yeah. for training, sorry, for training trips and stuff, it's not, but I mean for Sochi, United was running triple sevens to Russia for a couple of days.
0: Agreed. But it's so, not just it's not just during the event though, that's what you have to remember, right? This right, no, a, it is a lot more than that. This is you this is from now, from the time that it gets executed to the point that the games happen and then beyond. Yeah, well and- I, I I don't
2: I know it covers like logistics for the team for getting to the Olympics. And my recollection is it includes like a sort of corporate discount code that is significant, not your typical three to five percent, whatever, uh, of meetings or whatever. But like a significant corporate discount, but for just sort of regular moving around for training and such. But it's so that's the part where you're talking about is like they got to fly those people around.
0: Yeah, because they still that still gets managed through the back office for the equipment and stuff. Yeah. yeah, you can't just go buy a ticket on the website with your discount code and expect that your equipment will all go with no problems. No, They can't fit my pole vault on the CRJ-200? Amazingly, no.
1: I was going to say, as long as you're not flying CR-2s on Delta, you probably won't be delayed. Or, you, or, or, you'll, you'll, be be, in, or you'll be infinitely delayed. I was I was gonna, you gonna, just won't be
0: canceled. canceled. Yeah, you won't <laughs> be canceled. I was like, well, what are you thinking?
1: <laughs> oh. Oh man. Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's sad for United. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. Um, so today, it, it has been a
2: lot. I was trying to re- figure out when United first had the contract. It's as long as I can remember. I yeah, it goes back in the eighties.
1: Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of sad. But you know, we'll we'll see what money what, talks. Yeah, money money talks. So, um,
0: but didn't that? who didn't United just buy naming rights for a stadium somewhere? L. A. Yeah,
2: that's what I thought. The Memorial, uh, Memorial Coliseum United Pavilion or something like that. Yeah. They couldn't actually name the they, – they were going to name the stadium and then couldn't because people were like, um, no, this is the Memorial Coliseum for people who died in wars. Maybe you shouldn't be jerks like that. And
0: they had to back off a little.
1: We're really playing Idiocracy the real game. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're living the movie, folks. It, right. it
0: has electrolytes. That's what plants
1: need. Yeah, I, I mean, if you went to Costco this past weekend, we're definitely <laughs> living it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Bamboo Airlines has signed a UOM uh, to start service to Munich from Saigon, or Ho Chi Minh City, excuse me, and Hanoi. Um, this is interesting. Seth, first, will you just explain what a UOM is? MOU? M-O-U. <laughs> I think you Did I type it, me it me, wrong or are you just saying weird things? I, I think I think you put it in a text message wrong that you sent me. And okay.
2: Maybe that's where, I don't know. <laughs> I'll take credit for that one, um, but I was really enjoying it. Um, it's a memorandum of understanding. So it's the first step in the contract towards securing gate space and other things. Um, Munich Airport will deliver some advertising revenue, uh, advertising services and promotional stuff. Sorry, it's a subsidized route. Yep. The airport is helping pay for and it's three days a week, two to Ho Chi Minh City and one to Hanoi starting in July is the plan. Yep. And Bamboo's weird, right there. I flew them short haul when I was in Vietnam late last year in October And it's, it was a nice operation. They are sort of the value carriers, right? They're not the true low cost carrier of that of Vietjet or Jetstar Pacific. And they're not what Vietnam airlines considers themselves a full service carrier, but on domestic flights it's decidedly not. Um, you get a little free meal. They have some leg room. There was streaming wire or streaming entertainment on the plane. Like they're trying, yeah. But it's also very much a ego play by some billionaire who, uh, from whatever, there was like an article about him and the the was an article about the deputy director of the airline talking about his experience and how he got hired to run the airline with the by the founder. And the founder was like talking about how he wanted to buy an airplane when they met at the country club one day. <laughs> and the guy's comment was, "But you just met." donald trump and he owned he owned a whole airline why don't you think bigger and get yourself a whole airline instead and this guy did so um yeah ego play might be putting it a little too mildly but he's <laughs> thrown millions and millions of dollars at it uh who knows if it will ever be profitable and they went from a bunch of a true mishmash of single aisle aircraft like wet leases dry leases there's a i think an old cambodia airways random piece of shit on the ramp and i was like what is that and it turned out to be running flights for bamboo um and then they bought these brand new 787s and they got to use them somewhere and so Prague is first and that starts with the iata spring or summer season summer northern summer 2020 which starts on the end of march and then goes from there and so we shall we shall see well we'll see if it actually starts there's also that right like the good news, I suppose, in many ways is that Vietnam's exposure with the coronavirus stuff has run very quickly. Um, yep. There was some exposure, but it seems to have died down pretty quick. So someone was saying the virus, like the molecules or whatever, don't good in hot weather. I don't know if that's true. but So, the, so we got got
1: bamboo, Bamboo's 77s. So they actually have four first-class suites. Is that the case? Is that true? I
2: thought it was business all night, but um, where are you seeing
1: f- that? Uh, I saw a couple of loca- like reports that it's going to have first-class
2: I'm pretty sure it was business class only. I think I have it in the press release here. Um, I may not have put it in the actual story I wrote, but no, it's, yeah, it's just a business class
1: cabin. Okay. It so doesn't look half bad. It's it's nice. It looks like a decent product. And...
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, herringbone. I mean, it looks just like the Cathay or Americans, not concept D or whoever else.
1: Yeah. It looks like the fifth, their fifth uh, 787 will have first class potentially.
0: That'll be the owner's plane.
1: Yeah um uh, i don't know I, you know i actually i have a trip planned back to vietnam in april Um uh, maybe i'll take this to prague we'll see i need to look at prices
0: you think cafe will still be in business by then
1: i don't i don't know faz don't ruin my, my my dream of flying cafe again <laughs> once i only got i've only flown them once
2: i mean there's also there's uh if we're talking about random new service to europe the finally got its first 787 also have they started flights or is, are they waiting? I for literally I mean, I arrived yesterday oh. in India. So they're going to do Delhi-Mumbai runs for crew familiarization and then eventually pick a long-haul route. But it's they're also probably waiting until they get their second plane at least to start doing long-haul stuff. Yeah. So they can tr- do daily service on flights that are you know too long to do a same-day turns kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting to me about that is they still haven't announced where they're going to fly it. Karachi.
0: <laughs>
2: long-haul, boss. Long-haul. Uh
0: I mean, sorry that was too easy you know it's yeah anyway via <laughs> lahore i mean Islamabad. <laughs> that's the secure airport oh
2: right the i don't know like they, they keep talking about they'll get a second plane by the end of march is supposed to be delivered from boeing which is great whatever but um there's really a lot of problem not problems but like they said london is definitely on the plans but it may not be the first round they aren't saying which will and it, it's such a weird product launch to me also, they've said that their first couple planes are configured differently because of timelines and what suppliers could offer. Like the in-flight entertainment system, the moving map is going is not going to be the desired vendor because the that vendor is still developing the product and it won't be ready till midsummer.
1: Yeah, but we have the planes; we're going to fly the routes. Damn it! Yeah, so, and so
2: they, they bought a map from someone else. So they bought the stuff off the clearance rack. Um. And the seats they went with uh, the Stellia Symphony seats, the same as the Singapore 787-10, the regional business class. It's a stagger, okay. it's a lie-flat bed stagger, whatever. But okay. apparently, for that's only for vaguely long haul, and for ultra long haul that needs a better comfort, they're going to pick a different product for like planes four through six or something like that. But this was the pl- this was the seat that they could get in time. It's so a very saying. weird. Situation.
1: So you're saying I should fly Vistar and Bamboo while I have a chance before they go out of business. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I,
2: I think right now that can be said about basically any airline in the world uh, <laughs> with exposure into Southeast Asia. But yes.
1: Oh man, um, we were talking about you know slots there. Uh, you know, you were talking about London and IATA just recently asked airports to not enforce slot rules. What? <laughs> Why? What is going on? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, they're asking airports because of the current situation. They're asking airports to be flexible and not enforcing the rules, so that airlines don't feel uh, don't lose slots or feel obligated to fly okay. routes that they can't fill. Europe, of course, came back and said, mm, "No, we're not. Th- we're not going to make a. Bl- we're not going to agree to a blanket statement on this."
2: Okay. And so the rule is, I mean, so there's slot controlled airports, there's just over 200 of them globally, and the number changes seasonally and a few other things, but it's roughly 200 of that 100 and plus are in Europe for the summer season. So basically, this is mostly a Europe situation, especially because the airports in Asia have as one offs all generally agreed, yeah, we're not going to enforce the rules. But the rule is, if you're assigned a slot, um, or allocated a slot, If you don't use it for 80% of the daily frequencies during the season, then it gets returned to an allocation pool and can be reassigned for the following season. And there's the summer season and the winter season. We talk about that a lot, the IATA seasons. Yep. And that's what this is. So basically, you know, 80% of the 180 days is 134, 144, 144 flights you got to run out of the 180 days. Mm -hmm. And so if you cancel more than 36, which is like, say a month, uh, you lose your slot. And the airlines don't want that because they're trying to plan for the rebound somewhere down the line, but also the airports don't want their precious resources to
0: go unused. Yeah, but so uh, who's most exposed by these, by by the slot controls right now and not flying? Uh, All of the legacy carriers? Mm, I would think it's more the Chinese carriers than they are the U.S. carriers, right? Think of the amount of lift that any of the Chinese carriers have into Europe. Okay. Or other slot controlled areas, right? They, they're more exposed than the U.S. carriers. I mean, how exposed are, are the U.S. carriers into a handful of routes?
2: Yeah, and the, well, the U.S. carriers are mostly exposed into Asia, where the authorities
0: have already agreed. Right. But I see. I see where you're coming from. So, and, you know, the, when you think about what the, the the what we'll call ICAO's behavior in regards to Taiwan, you have to wonder if this is uh, they're they're positioning this to defend to, to protect Chinese interests.
2: You know, that's interesting, especially considering. Each year at the IATA conference, the IATA meeting, when they have their sort of go through everything and go through different uh, proposals and such, the Chinese continue to be the dissenters about things like environmentally
0: friendly flying, which sure. is no surprise. But uh, they do it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's no secret. Like the the biggest cause of global warming right now is India and China. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I, I do see where you're coming from on the China thing. I mean, the the
2: again, this A4E a con- e conference that I was watching the, li- the live stream of earlier, Karsten Spohr, who's the Lufthansa Group CEO, came on stage in a CEO's panel a couple hours after the director general for EURO uh, MOVE, I don't know, MOVE EU, which is an acronym that basically is the Transportation Department for the European Union, uh, said started with a no when asked if they would grant the blanket approval and basically said, we need more hard data to show that it's necessary. Uh, Karsten Spohr's comment in response to that was, We'll fly the planes empty if we have to to keep the slots, but that's an environmental disaster waiting to happen. So don't force us to do that. Hmm. So it's, it's an interesting negotiating tactic, let's call it, because I'm and I'm sure they will, but it's it certainly is a negotiating tactic.
0: But so you know, in Asia, while the most of the authorities have agreed to waive the slot requirements. In Europe, I'm sure within the EU, the EU airlines can they can EU nations can come up with an agreement between themselves. Um, without having a formal agreement but doesn't the question is who's really getting hurt from the from a blanket who's it really benefiting at the end of the day
2: yeah i i can see where you're coming from on the on the chinese carriers and they're certainly can't so they they need approvals at for at both ends that's yeah. really what it comes down to where the european carriers to a lesser extent do and the american carriers to a much lesser extent do because there's only a handful of
0: slot restricted airports in the u.s yeah. And I mean, how many of those are international carriers flying into? Right.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, is there any like plan for when this, you know, this ban would happen or this uh, stopping on, uh, uh, you know, getting rid of slots uh, would, would take effect if, if airports decide to? Or is it just kind of at their whim, whatever they say? So start?
2: the it's right now it's at whim. The IATA push is for the summer season. And right. We've seen a lot of the cancellations into April and May already. So Mm -hmm. airlines are starting to, I don't want to say freak out, but get concerned about how those slots are going to potentially get reallocated. And if they're already going to miss the first month of the season, like that doesn't leave a lot of opportunities for canceled flights down the line. Yeah. And so IATA is pushing for the rule to apply for the summer 2020, Northern summer 2020 season. Uh, Who knows if it'll happen
1: or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the last story we had was, um, about consumer rights and airlines. Um, there's been some talk about, you know, airlines pushing the Department of Transportation to ease up on consumer rights for airline passengers. Um, do you have the full take, Seth? You you said you had read a little bit about this. So
2: the U.S. Department of Transportation is uh, designated, is given designated authority under a particular section of U.S. code for the, unfair and deceptive practices statute and that is the title of it uh, in the code it is it was what the uh, department of transportation used as its justification when establishing the full fare advertising rule mm-hmm. right claiming that only showing the fare without all the taxes and fees is a deceptive practice uh It was also the tarmac rule uh, where, you know, tarmac delays and all sorts of other things as being either unfair or deceptive to consumers. And over the last several months, obviously, but in especially accelerated in recent weeks, the DOT has published, uh, was talked about and now published a report or a notice of proposed rulemaking. They're trying to change what is included in the uh, unfair and deceptive practices statute or, or how things are defined within that. And it seems like for the most part uh, the rulings have been written by, or the guidance has been written by airlines for America, which is the U S trade group representing airlines Uh, so much so that, I mean, it says explicitly that the request for reform came from a for a, and now is, you know, like the whole introduction is about what a for a has asked for and asked for and asked for. And then the second part of it is basically, and so that's what we're going to (laughs) do in not so many words. And so it's, you know, it's words about, you know, it's part of it is uh, managed by the FTC, not the FAA or the DOT. So it, that gets a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Federal Trade Commission, right, I think, um, in terms of what gets to define deceptive practices also. But basically they they've come down to the idea that it's it's likely to cause substantial injury to customers cannot be reasonably avoided by consumers and is not outweighed by the countervailing benefits to consumers or to competition and the airlines are going to argue that being forced to advertise full fares is counter to competition or various other things and i am afraid that they're going to win which sucks because things like the full fare advertising rule actually i mean that's when i get behind the tarmac rule i could go either way on i certainly opposed it when it first came out, but. Um, I understand in some cases why it's useful, but the full fare advertising thing is the main one that the airlines want to kill, and explicitly because they say passengers won't buy as many tickets because they see the higher they see a higher fare first if that's not the like literal definition of deceptive practices to sell more tickets, I don't know what it is
1: <laughs> yeah we we don't want to show them the full fare because then they would know what the full fare is. How's that? And
2: few of them will buy it. Like, how is that not deceptive? And and clearly cannot be reasonably avoided by consumers because they have to pay it. Um, that that's part of it. There's, I mean, and there's a, the fact that the basically the DOT is taking a 4 a's talking points, turning them into regulations, and publishing them is disappointing. Um, separately today, there was actually testimony in front of Congress, in front of the Transportation Subcommittee uh, or Aviation Subcommittee of Transportation. I don't know it was which committee, which subcommittee it was in Congress about. All sorts of stuff, and they talked about one set. One congressperson was asking why there isn't a rule that says if the plane isn't full, that seats should be allocated with empties next to everybody until uh, it starts to fill up, and then they fill in the the other seats. Oh sweet uh, god! Literally asked someone on the pla- on this panel if they needed to have a law about that. <laughs> uh, the person he asked happened to be a Spirit Airlines executive. His response is, "Yeah, our planes aren't half full, so we don't really have that problem," which was <laughs> thought, pretty good, um, <laughs> all things considered, but. Also, like, or, you know, buddy, you could have stood up and moved to the back yourself. Um, anyways. But the other thing that was came up a lot was uh, accessibility, accessible lavatories for passengers with reduced mobility or just for oversized passengers and things like that. And a couple months ago, the DOT started down the path of requiring that on single aisle planes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right there, there are such bathrooms on twin aisle planes, uh, not on single aisle because single aisle used to only be for short flights. so It wasn't a big deal. Uh, owing to the fact that single aisle planes are flying further and further now. DOT is suggesting maybe we need to fix that. And uh, you'll, you'll be shocked to learn that there are some airlines who are opposed to that plan. <laughs>
0: you
1: know. one, ones with many, many, many uh, lavatories in their planes, their 737s. You know, it's
2: it's interesting, actually. I mean, there was some talk about one of the – I was actually, in this case, I was very, relatively pleased. The uh, There was a representative from the General Accounting Office and also someone from Consumer Reports. Uh, and the Consumer Reports guy basically acted as a uh, – truly as a consumer advocate and did a really good job of it. Uh, the people, There's a guy from Spirit, the director of Apex, the Airline Passenger Experience Group, uh, was on on the panel, and a, uh, a couple others, I don't exactly remember who, but they were more representing the airlines, and this guy from Consumer Reports did a really good job representing consumers. I was very pleased to see that there was someone with that uh, angle on the panel, mm-hmm. because otherwise it could get out of hand real quick. But, you know, they pointed out that none of the Boeing single-aisle planes flying today have a accessible lavatory, while some of the Airbus ones do, and the Airbus one is basically if you take the what, the Space Flex two, which is on a few aircraft jet blue flies on the back of their A three twenty ones, the Alcor three twenty one, and it's it is super tight in either of the two labs in the back. They basically take half the rear galley against the rear bulkhead, or uh, you know, a third of it and make it into two bathrooms. But they can also combine the two into a single bathroom, which works and like the aisle wheelchair can have access to it and things like that. So it's one of those things that, like, if this is the only way to get a decent lavatory on board for passengers with reduced mobility, do the rest of us have to suck it up? Um, and the answer seems to be yes. But also, it's a pretty awful experience for most passengers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That, that was interesting. But I'm, I'm working on a story now. I don't know if it'll happen this week or not. But there's the first objections to the new rules about single-aisle planes with uh, the lavatories on board that meet U.S. rules it is actually from a foreign carrier. That I don't think flies single aisle planes to the US, but maybe they do. <laughs> Who's this? Uh, ANA. And so I don't know if they fly single aisle planes to Guam. That's the only thing I can think of. Look at
0: ANA trolling the other airlines.
2: But, you know, ANA makes some good points. I could also see, like, United having written up all these talking points and then giving it to ANA and be like, hey, can you do this for us because no one will believe it when it comes from you? Um, <laughs> like, no, people will be too confused and just accept it. I don't know. But there, there's something going on there. So, because I don't think ANA flies single aisles to Guam, but maybe they do. I don't, I don't think they do.
1: No. So, but you know, they're, they're raising questions about the costs and other things like that. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. Uh, good times. Anything else you guys wanted to talk about? Not for me.
2: Uh-huh. I didn't want to talk about half the stuff we already did. So, I'm
1: uh-huh. uh-huh. sure <laughs> you, are you, are <laughs> you <laughs> can really tell by the way I kept going. <laughs> uh, I think that's a show then. So to our listeners, you can find us on Twitter at dots lines, more dots, more Uh Leave us a comment. We'd like to hear from you. Are you traveling? because of coronavirus or not because of coronavirus tell us uh, yeah hang out on patreon if you uh want to get the show a little bit early so thanks for listening happy travels take care see you later